This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Listeners, this is Glynis McCarthy, co-host of the Practice of Learning Teams podcast show. Learning Teams embraces and respects the need for functional diversity and the diversity of thought to be present and an integral part of organisational and worker learning. This approach acknowledges and makes visible the differences that exist between genders in the workforce in order to identify health and safety risks and implement, maintain and improve effective solutions. Today is an episode of our special podcast series on women's perspectives, adoption and approach on the new view of safety and learning teams, where I have a discussion with a woman who represents organisational leadership, industry advocacy, safety practitioner and the regulatory authority. We will explore that individual's own journey the role of gender in safety and the potential of the new view of safety and of learning teams. On today's show, we have a workplace safety regulator participating in this episode. I am joined by Deborah Pittout, Innovation Lead for WorkSafe New Zealand. The innovation team at WorkSafe are exploring other ways to engage with organisations, workers, unions and other stakeholders for better outcomes. Please join me and my special guest Deb as we learn and improve together. Okay, so um, thank you, Deb, for, for giving us your time here today. Um, tell me, how did you get into this line of work? Um, it was a funny story, actually. Um, I was a executive PA. I come from a banking background as well. Um, and um, my boss came to me um, one day and said, Deborah, I need your help to take over quality health and safety and environment and I was like okay <laughs> um, but um, I took the challenge and um, I went into it not knowing anything um, I did have the passion for caring for people um, but yeah I learned as um, I went along and um, I was fortunate enough for my company to give me a mentor um, who was in the fire brigade in South Africa and he taught me everything I um, know now um, in terms of um, safety um, and health and then also um, I was put into a situation where I had to deal with some really serious injuries um, and I kind of really enjoyed helping people and and um, being there to to find out why they were injured and to try and prevent those from happening in the future um, and I just took it from there and, and became the QHSC regional manager for Southern Africa, um, looking after various different areas in that space um, and managed to travel around the world um, doing health and safety and um, ISO auditing um, and really getting into the nitty gritty of what was going on on the ground. And I really loved it and um, my passion grew um, since moved to New Zealand and continuing with that passion, um, been in health and safety for around 14 years um, so really this is my calling I see it as um, because I really really enjoy what I do um, and it is about our people and um, people our solution is a big part of what I do now. So that's really about positioning workers as part of that solution um, yes. rather than positioning workers as, a, as our problem. 
hundred percent. Um, it is about the workers. They are the subject matter experts. Um, for me, it's really important that we listen to what they have to say. Um, I love to have that connection um, of what they're doing um, and finding out what really makes them tick and what really bothers them or keeps them awake at night. Um, certainly early on in your career in health and safety, you talked about the value of having a mentor. How important has that been to shape kind of where you are now? Oh, that's been the most important thing ever. I think if you can have someone who's going to be there to guide you and to coach you um, and to just bounce things off, um, that buddy system is so important. And I think that goes with leadership itself, not only in health and safety, really, really important in that leadership space to have that um, coach and that guidance or mentor and someone to bounce that off. Um, I have been fortunate enough in my career and um, working at New Zealand Steel to have that in a, a leader and um, I was able to confide in her and and she was really um, an instrumental part in my career in New Zealand so I think that that is very important. Um, certainly there are, I, 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 when I look at the industry, it still seems to be to me to be very male dominated. Um, and when I, I look at it, I think that there are some issues facing women in our profession. How important has it been for you to have strong female role models as you've come up through your career? And how important is it now for you continuing on in that career? Um, I think it's a really important um, question to ask, actually, um, because in my career, I started off in a male-dominated world. Um, oil and gas is male-dominated. Um, I worked in the tip of Africa and Pemba, um, where I was probably the only woman, <laughs> let alone the only woman in safety. Um, and I didn't have any um, female mentors or um, leaders. Uh, coming to New Zealand is probably the first time that I've actually had a, a woman leader um, at New Zealand Steel and I think she was really instrumental. Just that empathetic way of thinking um, and um, kind of being there to support and, and having that kind of listening to me when um, you know you've got some issues. I think women do face um, various different issues in um, not only health and safety but also in leadership. Um, it's kind of I, I can say look down upon um, and you're not really heard. Um, so it is a big issue, especially when you're sitting in a boardroom. And I found that in the transport industry, especially, is that you sit in a boardroom and um, until you actually tell them about your experience, um, you're kind of, you know, oh, well, she's just here as a quota, as the health and safety manager. And we're just going to make sure that she um, sits here and keeps quiet. <laughs> so for me, yeah. So for you, that kind of that experiential, you know, uh, lived experience has been really important to be able to kind of bridge that gap and make sure that the, your colleagues see you as somebody that is equally viable and that you really bring some strengths to the table. Yeah, and not only that, I mean, if you look at a logistics, um, from a logistics point of view, um, a lot of the drivers um, will think, oh my goodness, what is this woman walking around here telling us what to do? But as soon as you um, kind of get out there and show that you can get, uh, you can get into the truck and you can ask those questions and, and you can really like dig deep into what's actually happening um, and they can see that you're there to listen, um, then it kind of completely changes. 
um, I had a discussion this morning with one of my colleagues um, at WorkSafe, um, and we were talking about how she um, she's a general inspector and she'll go into a, a PCBU often and she'll people will just look at her as if to say, what are you doing here or what do you know? And as soon as she kind of talks about her experience, because um, she's been a health and safety uh, leader, um, it kind of the demeanor changes. So um, it would be nice to be recognized straight up um, and it would be nice to be able to, you know, be listened to intently um, and not um, kind of pushed to the side. But again, I think that just comes with the challenges um, in industry um, and also um, being a leader, um, being a female leader. Um, but I think those those challenges can can be overcome. So what would you say are the keys to your success? So part of it is that you've had that lived experience and that, that certainly gives us that kind of experiential knowledge. But I suspect there's a whole lot more to, to, for you to be successful. So can you tell us a little bit about that? I think one of the things that um, really stands out for me is don't be afraid to challenge. Don't be afraid to walk into a boardroom or, or to walk into a meeting and be able to challenge in a respectful way. Um, but don't just accept the status quo. If you're going to accept the status quo, you're never going to be curious or um, dig deep enough to find out what those issues really are. Uh, challenging your senior leadership team um, can be daunting at times. And I think that a lot of health and safety professionals struggle with that, especially female ones. Um, and I, what I can say is don't be afraid. Um, be prepared to be uncomfortable. Um, it's okay to be uncomfortable. That's how you learn. Um, if you're comfortable, I often say, um, then you should be looking at changing your job or changing your career because um, being uncomfortable opens up a, a range of things that you can learn from. So one of the big things for me is be curious. Yeah, look, I really concur with that. I look at sometimes my male colleagues and I look at the way that I challenge versus maybe they challenge. I feel sometimes the way that they challenge is much more combative than the way that I challenge. I feel that I'm able to challenge, but at the same time, take that person on a little bit of a journey and get them to critically reflect on practice. And I sometimes think that that's a skill set that I have that actually may be more aligned to be being a female and, and having a feeling of sometimes being seen as a little bit of an outsider. So I've really had to hone some of my other skills that I have because I can't necessarily say yes I can drive this big piece of earthing, earthing equipment or I you know I don't know what it is that you do I don't have that experiential knowledge however mm. I can think about what you're doing and I can ask those questions to help facilitate for you to reflect on it um, so yeah I, I agree with you it is about challenging I do see yep. that it's certainly the way that I do it compared to my male colleagues is different yeah yes, and, and it it's is. okay and for me that's yeah. okay it took me a little while yeah. to kind of get there um, to actually see that it's all right. We can have different ways of doing this. Yeah. What have been, uh, we've talked about that, you know, you've come from a background where it was very male dominated. What else have been some of the barriers that you've faced in terms of your career progression? I mean, you now work with a regulator um, mm -hmm. and you work in, a, and I, I suspect in a, in a really um, a kind of a real extension of the role around innovation and thinking of getting people to really reflect on practice. But what have been some of the barriers that you've faced to get to this point? Um, I think it's that closed-mindedness. Um, being open-minded um, requires some innovative thinking. Um, and for me, um, some of the big things that people are afraid of or leaders are afraid of is to be creative. They're um, afraid of the unknown um, and they want a solution straight up. 
And for me, it's not about getting to the solution straight up. It's actually understanding what's going on in your organization or your business. Um, and for me, I think some of the challenges that you face um, in big organizations or small organizations is that you want a solution straight away um, and you want to be able to fix things. Um, people are generally wanting to fix things now and they don't want to um, take the time um, to really understand because that may open up another can of worms or um, there may be other issues that come to the table that you don't want to deal with right now that you don't have the time to um, money is a big thing um, I think that production and money um, comes first still um, I don't uh, there are a lot of businesses out there that are doing really good work um, and they're really putting safety in as part of their leadership strategy um, but then you've got other companies who really think that um, safety is an add-on or a bolt-on or a nice to have um, and that's one of the things that I have faced in my career um, is getting that message across that um, good safety practice or creating an environment where you've got learning teams or um, having a learning environment um, is far more valuable than um, thinking about adding safety on at the end just because you, you have to have it. Yes, yeah, so trying to get people moving away from that kind of just seeing safety as compliance to really yes. seeing that you know safety drives good practice. Yep. I'm sure that there are some frustrations at times helping organizations make that kind of transformational um, leap. Um, and so how do you manage how do you manage those frustrations, both at your own level, but also as from the point of view of, of your job as a regulator, but also in terms of really encouraging those workplaces that you work alongside to make that sort of transformational change? Yes, uh, good question there as well. Um, what we're finding in innovation is that people are very compliance based at this point in time and they struggle to find that transition into, um, again, the unknown or, or being creative or looking at things from a different point of view. And one of the barriers that we see is that the regulator comes into it and um, it's, well, we have to make sure that we have all this paperwork because WorkSafe says so, um, <laughs> which is not the case. All we want to know is that We've, um, that you're engaging with your staff, um, that you're educating and um, working as a team, um, and that you are um, really on that path of um, looking at your risk and controlling that risk and how effective are those controls. Um, we're not there just to slap an enforcement um, on you. We want to make sure that what you say you do, you're actually doing. Um, it's not about just having a whole lot of paperwork. And um, a lot of us will not go in and just ask for paperwork. But really, the general inspectorate is kind of moving away from that and looking at how do you engage with your people? Um, what are your people saying about the culture of the company? Um, how are they participating in health and safety discussions? What kinds of conversations are they having? How can we as a regulator support you? How can we support what, um, what you're doing? How can we support health and safety professionals? What are some of the tools that we can bring in in terms of innovation um, to support you in that space? And we've got lots of various different departments in WorkSafe now that are um, supporting, encouraging, engaging, um, rather than going straight to the enforcement um, space. Yes, we are a regulator and there will be a time where we will need to enforce. Um, that is a given. Um, but at the same time, that's not our main goal. We really want to be able to support those people um, in their businesses um, and to help them to support their people on the ground. 
So when I'm listening to that, that really for me kind of sits within that framework of that new view of safety. Um, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about your your beliefs around that and, and also kind of, I suppose, where does a regulator sit within that? Yeah, um, look, I don't like to put a label on it. Um, I think it's the evolution of safety. I really think it's um, us transitioning from their, the foundations of safety and I don't think that we should be throwing that away. Um, that's one thing that we still need and it's a great foundation to have. Um, there are some improvements that we can be making in that space. Um, but for me, I think that um, safety is just good leadership. If we take away health and safety, it's really around good leadership. How can we learn from what goes right? How can we learn from what goes wrong? And again, that brings back to that learning space and having teams around that, that can support that space. Um, I'll give you an example. We started a um, learning team type of um, environment at New Zealand Steel, and it was amazing to see people were skeptical about it. Um, but at the same time, when we started doing it more and more for our investigations, um, people started to see that um, we were actually digging a lot deeper than just the surface um, where you would just find a let's move to a solution or let's move to a root cause because we need to put something down on paper um, but let's actually really understand what's going on and how do we concentrate on the the stuff that will kill you rather than your um your your trivial um things that happen in in the workplace um, in my role now as um, an innovation lead um, at WorkSafe, one of the things that we really promote and, and which I am very I am very strong about and, and, and I believe these things is that there are certain mindsets that you need to kind of transition to. Um, and it's not easy. It's really not easy for a lot of people if you've been doing the same um, thing for a long time and you have a belief in the way that you lead. Um, it's not always easy to see um, someone else's perspective. Um, but some of the things that I think that um, that really stand out to me and I'm passionate about is having that curious mindset, um, being creative, um, focus on people. That is quite a, a really, really important one. And that kind of aligns with where um, the new view sits. Um, and really looking at being adaptive and flexible um, because sometimes you don't know what the solution will be or you don't know which direction you will go into but by having the opportunity to be able to have innovation sessions or um, learning teams you really are able to explore um, and discover things that you probably wouldn't have discovered in, um, with just having a normal incident investigation for example um, or being able to be more proactive um, rather than reactive. Another one for me is having a practical vision. Um, practical vision is really, really um, stands out to me. Um, and I think that um, people want that um, in today's world. There's a lot of talk about safety differently or the new view or safety too. Um, but people out there are really looking for practical examples or practical tools to be able to do this in their workplace. Um, and how do they educate or how do they um, give the knowledge to their ELT teams or their senior leadership teams on what does the new view mean 
Um, how do we go out and, and change the way we do things? Um, what can we find out? How can we get people more involved? Um, I think that health and safety professionals struggle a little bit with that space. Um, and that's not their fault because um, I've been in that space myself. Um, compliance was everything. Um, and now we're asking you to um, not forget about the compliance because I still think that has a role to play. Um, but um, I think it's asking people to be able to play in that um, ambiguous space and not knowing what's um, going to be the outcome. I think that's probably the biggest struggle of people today. Um, but again, but there's a lot of tools out there um, that can be used. Um, and us at WorkSafe Innovation, um, we are putting together a playbook with those tools um, to try and assist people. Um, myself and my colleague are working on a program called Tohono, which is really holding hands and, and supporting health and safety professionals or um, PCBUs or small businesses on how to approach the situation or, or approach the transition between um, the traditional safety to um, the new view. Wow, well, that sounds really exciting because I know talking to, to other practitioners, to health and safety professionals, it is that leap of the unknown. And so because it is unknown to them, it's really difficult to sell it to the ELT. Um, yes. and, I, and I think that that's really where people struggle. Um, and I think sometimes people try a learning team particularly um, and they're not quite sure what does good look like. And so they're bouncing about in the space. They don't quite know how to measure their own success, let alone the outcome of a learning team. So they become slightly more prescriptive. And then as a result, I think that they lose then the ability for people to really dive deep and do that problem identification. We feel more comfortable when we get over to the problem solution part. And mm. so we, we kind of lose the essence of it. Um, tell yep. me in, in your practice, how do you try and harness the diversity within learning teams? Because what I know about particularly in here in New Zealand, we have very diverse workforces. So we have workforces where people have English as their second or third or fourth language. We have people that come from very different cultural perspectives, very different knowledge perspectives, very different literacy perspectives. And so how do we then try and harness that and, and actually get some value for the people who participate, but also as importantly for the organisation from a learning perspective? From my point of view, I think that, um, yes, we have a diverse culture. Um, I like to call it cosmopolitan because um, that's what the world is coming is, is actually going to. Um, there's a lot of different people moving around the world. And some of the things that um, I think that's a good thing because you're going to get far more perspectives from different people. I think the, the issue that we have now, and, and you're rightly so in saying that, is that we don't have enough diversity um, in our learning teams. Um, and that's... I think that's because we just need to be a bit more open to to bringing in other cultures and learning from other cultures. And although you may have some people who um, are illiterate, um, you may have a lot to learn from them. Um, one of the things that we're working on at um, WorkSafe is really kind of engaging with various different cultures around WorkSafe um, and seeing how we can support one another and, and what we can learn from one another. So I think it's we need to be open-minded. We need to um, find ways where um, you don't necessarily need to use technology, um, make people comfortable, um, make people feel like that they can contribute um, and that they, you know, no idea is a stupid idea. Um, and I think the most important thing is to make people feel comfortable and that they are adding some value and they are being heard. 
Um, if you've got people who feel like they're being heard and you actually are listening to them, then um, you're going to have a lot more buy-in. So I just think that people need to be open-minded and um, be open-minded to listening to um, different perspectives from different cultures. And I don't think anyone is superior to anyone else. I think that everybody has a role to play and everybody has um, a space to learn from one another. So you're kind of describing, particularly from a practitioner's point of view, so a health and safety practitioner's point of view, quite a different skill set than we've traditionally thought of. You know, traditionally, we've thought of the health and safety professional as the expert. And now really what you're saying is that they need to be that inquirer, that have that curiosity that really drives practice so that they can really see and harness the experience that their workforce have, where they have an intimate understanding of how risk is being managed to really harness that expertise. Yep. Yes, 100%. I think it's that humanizing risk piece. Um, and I think there is definitely a transition between um, the old way of, of um, being a health and safety professional to um, where it's transitioning to now. Um, again, I don't um, put down anyone in that um, old space because I was there. Um, and I think compliance definitely still has that, that space as your foundation. But I think there's definitely that transition um, to move from a, um, a person sitting behind the desk and doing a lot of admin um, to really getting or decluttering and kind of getting out there and finding out what is really going on on the ground. And also, I think from a health and safety professional, um, don't think that you need to have all the answers because you're not um, the subject matter expert in a lot of areas. And yes, you may have the technical knowledge, but I really think that we need some kind of vocational training out there um, for people to be able, well, health and safety professionals um, to say, it's, it's okay if you don't have the answer. Um, go and ask, be curious, um, be a coach, be supportive, um, be someone that you are, your door is open and people can come and talk to you um, because it will be, you'll be amazed at the things that you find out um, by having that, building that trust and relationship rather than thinking that you have the answer for everything. And another thing is, um, don't be afraid of the red. Don't be afraid to show the red because if you are going to go into a, a senior leadership meeting or um, you're talking to your staff or you're talking to the, the business as a whole or directors of the business, um, tell them what's going wrong. Don't be afraid to show them that this is what's what's really being faced out there. If you walk into a boardroom and show that it's you've got all green, then I would be asking questions. <laughs> yeah. And again, so I don't be afraid of that. Yeah. I think really what you're saying is that, you know, we need to be a bit braver in this space and own the space a bit more. Mm -hmm. I know that one of the reasons that this podcast came about is that we as practitioners really saw the need to bounce our ideas against other people because this is new territory for us. Um, and for all of us, it can feel uncomfortable at the beginning. Yeah, we've all come from different journeys. Um, none of us have come from the, the exact same sort of pathway, but actually we've all landed in this space. And so for me, it is about how do we get that community of practice so that we can talk with one another we can share openly and honestly about our practice and kind of get that refinement of practice um, certainly my experience in learning teams is that particularly early on I was never quite sure where I was meant to be going with it I'm never quite sure when I was meant to finish like I, I feel really happy being in that problem identification and would actually slow it down sometimes a little bit too much and not get over to the problem solution so for me it was all about how do I kind of manage that at a really nice pace but I know 
my other colleagues have kind of come from the other position. Some of my colleagues have come, they're really comfortable in that problem solution and have not been quite so comfortable in the problem identification. And I think one of the things that we need to do that kind of vocational or building out of our skills is to acknowledge where we are as our starting point and having mentors and people that we trust around us that we can say quite openly, hey, I've experienced this. It didn't quite work for me. What do you think? How could I do it differently? And I think we need to be sharing more. So it's really good to see a lot of these platforms, whether it be from the regulator in terms of your team, uh, whether it be the platforms that we're sort of creating in terms of community of practice, these podcasts or other podcasts. Actually, it's an opportunity for professionals to to reflect on where we're at and to sort of move forward. If you had... If you had a crystal ball and could kind of think about where we would be, say, as, as in New Zealand, yeah, yeah, where do we, where do you think we need to get to in terms of kind of safety and health? I think for me, it's around building communities, um, and uh, I think if you look at Tafaro Tapafa, is um, and looking at that building a house where you've got different pillars. Um, so I see that as different forums or um, coming together towards um, a common goal um, and to really start looking after our whanau. For me, um, our whanau can be our own family or it could be um, our communities. And I think that um, that's the mistake that a lot of forums make. Even using that word forum, for me, kind of um, puts kind of a stiff feeling on it. Um, I would rather call it um, Let's come together as communities um, and really understand what are the issues that we are being faced with, Um, whether it be mental health issues or whether it be safety. um, How can we come together as a team? Um, I mean, we came together in COVID as a a team of five million and um, look what we've done. So if we were to come together um, and really move towards one direction, I think you might find a different um, outcome. I don't know if that's that's the case. Um, I'm just saying what I think could happen. Um, there's probably many other um, ideas out there. But at the same time, I feel that we need to start building a family or a community um, and understand the different things that people face. Um, the, it's not only all the, um, we can talk about impairments, we can talk about distractions, but really we need to find out what are the underlying issues. Um, are people burning out? Um, are they making the wrong decisions because of that? Um, you know, what pressures are there at work? How do we bring safety as part of um, leadership rather than an add-on? Um, again, um, good safety makes good sense. Um, good leadership and open-minded leadership, um, you'll see far more value out of that. There's a lot of companies out there who have proved that. Um, but. Uh, what I think is that we really need to come together to share our learnings, whether it be good or bad, not be afraid to fail, be curious, be open-minded, have that environment where we're able to come and tell stories. Let's tell the stories. Let's find out what people are really feeling. Um, And that's where I think that we, we should be concentrating on. Absolutely. And when I hear that, I feel really heartened to work in this area. Um, What it says to me is that we're starting to celebrate diversity. And when I think about, you know, my my original question about women in what issues they face in the health and safety profession, I think we're shedding some of those things that once Mm. upon a time, this was a really male dominated space. But actually, we're coming to a point now we're really being much more open with diversity. Um, I think that when we're being more open in terms of gender, I think we're being more open in terms of the pathways that lead into this profession. 
system and we're actually starting to see that actually we can all contribute something yep um, and Definitely. I think that that's a really good that's a really good thing and that really one of the our keys to success is that openness is that ability yep. to look and reflect and say are we are we reflecting good practice you know and looking for cues to tell us whether or not we are within those bounds of good sustainable practice yep. or are we edging yep. out towards something that's outside of that and so that means we need a strong partnership with our workforce yeah because yeah. they are the people who have a good and yeah. understanding i think the word that comes to mind for me is be vulnerable um be vulnerable because that's going to open you up to many learnings um and i i think that's what sometimes people struggle with um women in safety will probably find it's a lot easier um and uh, but at the same time being vulnerable is not easy either um there's things that you need to work through in your own mind to um, make yourself open to being vulnerable but i think that's a key word is um vulnerable really lends itself to to learning a lot more yeah, and I think the thing that I've learned is that I think it probably when I started in, in my journey was that I possibly was vulnerable in a slightly different context. There were some times when I was on a work site working along workers where actually I felt that my safety might have been a bit as, as a vulnerability <laughs> part. Now yeah. I've learned to make sure that I can moderate all of those things. I have a strong sense of, of when I am, where I feel comfortable, where I feel safe. And so that mm. allows me then that kind of emotional vulnerability to allow me to be able to reflect critically on practice but to take people along with me on a journey without it having to be combative and and help them to to reflect and i think that that's kind of that's a skill i've learned yeah it's one that i've had to learn kind of the hard way and if there was something i could part on to other people it would be how do you do that without having to do it through the life of hard knocks Yes, it's not easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, a- absolutely. And I'd love to think that, you know, in time that we'll have a better grasp of this, you know, in mm. terms of what does make a good health and safety uh, practitioner and actually what makes up good health and safety as a general thing. So that again, yep. that we're clear about what does good look like. Definitely. Uh, if I was to, if I was to sort of ask you a parting question then, you know, what would be something that you would like to impart, particularly we've, we've started this conversation about women and, and health and safety. So if there's something that you could impart to a younger person coming through this, um, what would you, what would be the words of wisdom that you would offer them? I think for me is be passionate about what you do. Um, if you go, I always say to people, if you're going into health and safety, um, it is a thankless job, but it's really, really rewarding. Um, it's rewarding to see what you can do out there. So for me, um, someone coming into health and safety, I'd like to see more women in safety. Um, I'd like to see um, younger women coming through in safety and be given the opportunity to um, go through the, um, the training um, or to be able to, um, you know, experience what it is like. Um, and um, what I can say is that um, be open to um, different experiences, um, be creative, um, allow yourself to be creative and um, create that space for yourself. Um, don't just accept the status quo challenge. Um, I think that's really, really um, a key skill that you you need to have. Um, and yeah, in a respectful way, but I still think that um, really don't accept that status quo because the more that you do that, um, the more that it, it creates an environment where we're not going to see change. Um, and yeah, just um, 
for me, a new health and safety professional would be someone who's going to not sit behind the desk and do admin, but really get out there, get onto the floor because it's really, really rewarding. Um, and again, be be passionate about what you do, um, and don't be afraid to talk about um, issues that that come up in the in the workplace. Be the voice of the people. That's what I can say. Yeah, look, and I concur with you, absolutely. And I'd add one more thing onto that. I would say, look actively for role models. Yeah, yes. um, and, and look for those people that really inspire you and look for those people that really resonate with where your where you're starting point and how you can see yourself growing as an individual over a period of time. Um, and those, those role models can come from all different walks of life. Um, you know, they can be somebody that you work alongside. They can be one of your workers. They can be somebody in your organization or outside of your organization. And I think it's really important that we build, you know, those those opportunities to model good practice and to be available for other people. Yeah, and one other thing I would add to that is um, it's not necessarily if you're really passionate about safety, um, don't necessarily need to go into being a safety professional, but there's other ways that you can help in your PCB or your business. Um, I think that health and safety reps um, have a huge role to play. And I think that there should be more opportunity for them to be able to, um, you know, be part of the safety team. Um, and because they are the people that are the eyes and ears on the ground. And I think they have a lot of value to add. I don't think that we harness their value um, as much as we should. And I really think that they should be celebrated for the work that they do. Um, they play a huge part as being HSRs um, in organizations. Um, they don't get paid for it. Um, they work over their time. Um, they do a lot for the company that um, they not seem to be doing. Um, and a lot of them get shut down. Um, so for me, um, don't underestimate your HSRs. They are probably one of the key people that health and safety professionals need. I, I agree with you. I think that they can do a powerhouse of, of work for, with you and you can work alongside them and support them. Yep. Um, having come off a day of training health and safety reps <laughs> um, myself, actually, it's really top of mind. Um, I agree with you. We need to give them really good training. We need to give them opportunities to to show their voice, yeah, to express their thoughts and to be participants in those discussions about how risk is being managed. And we need to do that actively. Yeah, there's a yep. duty of care. Once we have those reps, we really need to foster them and, and harness that expertise. Yeah, no, we I, do. I and you. I think um, PCBUs shouldn't see them as a cost. I think that PCBUs should be seeing them as a value add because they really are. And um, they don't get celebrated enough. So for me, I think that's one thing that if you're going to get into health and safety as a professional, um, harness and really promote those health and safety reps because they are our leaders. Um out there on the floor. So if I was to think about kind of the key messages from our conversation today, for me, that what's really resonated is to be brave, to be vulnerable, to work collaboratively with people, to really see people as your strength, yeah, not as your weakness. And to really look and see how can we work in partnership. So how can we work in partnership with our with our people, but with also with our regulator, so that actually we can inform good sustainable practice. Yeah, rather than seeing health and safety as something that is really compliance or is something that we add on at the later part of, of work. But this is what's driving good practice and it's about good sustainable practice going forward. 100%. Couldn't have summed it up better. <laughs> Phew. <laughs>
Well, look, I'm, I'd love to thank you very much for the time that you've given me today. It's been a really, from my point of view, it's been a really interesting and really thought-provoking um, conversation. So thank you ever so much. Thank you so much, Glennis. Thank you, listeners, for being part of this podcast. We'd love to hear your learnings from today or other topics you would like us to support you on. Go to www.podcastlearnings.com and be part of the community practice of learning teams at www.learningteamscommunity.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.